a podcast from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Office of National Mission. This is God's Mission Here. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Pastor Dan Gelshoot. I'm the Executive Director for the Office of National Mission. That means I oversee the work that's done in St. Louis to support your congregations and schools as you carry out the mission that happens all over North America. I'm joined today by three members of my staff, and I'm going to ask Reverend Mark Wood to tell us a little bit about himself. Mark, I picked you because there's an old adage, age before beauty. So we'll start with you. Well, I definitely have the age part covered, and I'm almost the longest tenured staff member in the room today. I've been with National Mission for nine years, a little more. My originally, I was originally called the National Mission as the Director of Witness and Outreach, and in that role, I created the Everyone is Witness Evangelism program. Had a, a lot of a lot of opportunity to travel around the synod, encouraging people to share the good news of Jesus. Prior to coming to National Mission, I was a church planting pastor in Florida, and spent 16 years in Florida. And now I'm back to church planting again. That's and in addition to my role in National Mission, I I pastor a new church start in Arizona. So I'm married have five adult children, seven grandchildren, and despite my young age, five great-grandchildren. So. All right, thanks so much, Mark. It's great to have you here. Tiffany, Deaconess Tiffany Manor, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, I am the Managing Director for the Office of National Mission for Human Care and Ministerial Support. But before joining the Office of National Mission about Three, four years ago now, I had served in the New England district and some congregations, schools, even RSOs across the city. Yeah, it's been a really surprising uh, service to the church. I never would have expected God would take me the places he has and given me the privilege to, to serve and, and walk alongside so many people throughout our city and in our communities. It's quite a joy you know, beyond serving the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, married to a pastor. We've got four kids and a couple of them are church workers too. The kids are all grown up and we've got a couple of grandkids too. I don't have any great grandkids yet. That's gotta be, I mean, grandkids are so joyful. Great grandkids must be like, you know, quadruple the joy of, of grandchildren. And two of our twins, so there's like an exponential factor there. So. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tiffany. And I'm also joined by Reverend Michael Meyer. Michael, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So Mark mentioned the, the, the longevity here in the Office of National Mission. I think I take the take that piece for having been here the longest. It's over 10 and a half years now that I've served in National Mission in a couple of different roles, primarily with disaster response and training. That's been my main focus for the last 10 years. And most recently now as a managing director overseeing, you know, as the other two of you know, a third of National Mission dealing with recognized service organizations, school schools, youth, campus ministry, and then disaster response and training. I'm married for 18 years now and have three children, no grandchildren. My oldest child is only 13, so hopefully we have a few more years <laughs> before we have anything going on like that in my household. Before coming to National Mission, I served a parish in a school in Denver, Colorado for a number of years after leaving the seminary and just really find it to be a, a joyful thing to serve in the context that the Lord has placed me in with disaster response, now still with disaster response and training with this kind of broader 
uh, piece of our work together and life together and national mission as we think about all the different age groups that we engage with and all the different people from these variety of settings and just really really fantastic to have this opportunity and I feel blessed so Dan we haven't heard from you yet yeah the newest member of the I mean he's the newbie right <laughs> yeah that's right as as far as tenure I'm the the short timer here in the the building uh, I was uh, blessed to be raised in Minnesota which you'll hear in my accent uh, from time to time uh, but I was uh, a son of a Lutheran pastor and school teacher and really raised in the church and 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 uh, wanted to serve the Lord and was eventually called to serve as a pastor in the Kansas district. I was blessed to serve actually as a pastor of two different congregations in Kansas and then eventually went on to serve on the Kansas district staff. And there were great joys in serving in the parish, but also wonderful joys of serving on the district, on the district staff because it gave me a, a broader view of, of the mission field that exists all across Kansas. And now as I've come to the Synod, now I have an even broader view of the mission field all across North America. And that's that's really what we're, we're here to talk about today and, and throughout this podcast series, God's Mission Here. We wanna talk about the Lord's mission and what's happening. Uh, as we get into this conversation, I'll, I'll start by asking you, Mark, if you could tell us, when we talk about the Lord's mission, what do we mean by that? Well, the Lord's it is the Lord's mission, it's God's mission, uh, not our mission. And he states his mission in several different ways in the scripture. My favorite short statement of God's mission is in Luke 19.10, where Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And, uh, and I think that, that moves us to say, okay, well, if that's God's mission and there's still lost people in the world, and I think there are a few lost people mm -hmm. in the world, sadly, many lost people in the world, then God's mission's not yet complete, that there's still work to be done and that he calls us to share in that mission to seek and save those who are lost. Of course, we don't do the saving, we do the seeking, but the Holy Spirit does the saving, but our role in that is really taken from 1 Corinthians 3, where you know Paul is talking about, I planted, Paulus watered, God gave the growth. So we do the planting, we do the watering as our part of God's mission. But it's beyond just seeking and saving the lost, Christ has also called us to take care of those whom he has gathered into his church, and not just take care of them, but disciple them. And we know the Great Commission that comes from Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching them all that I've commanded you. So a couple ideas about what God's mission is. It's, it's a big mission to get our arms all the way around it is, is challenging. I knew when I started to ask Mark there that he'd have all kinds of things to say, but there's still plenty more to say about God's mission and God's mission here. Tiffany, what would you say about God's mission here? I'm so glad that Mark brought up the lost, right? And you know, as we think about the, the people around us and look at our society and our culture, I'm sure that our listeners could bring to mind people that, that are in their lives, people they love, people they care for that are, are not a part of the church. You know, I didn't grow up in the church, so I, I, I had you know periods of my time where I was you know 
not a part of the body of Christ, where I didn't understand what God's mission was. I didn't understand the fullness of his grace and love for me. You know, and now as I, I sit here as, you know, a part of the royal priesthood of all believers, you know, the church, I, I can think of so many of family members, loved ones that I, I wish did know all that, that the Holy Spirit has, has brought to me and his gifts and through the people that have walked with me as I, I've grown and, and learned the faith. So I, I think, you know, as, as we're pondering God's mission and how wherever we live and, and serve, we share God's mission and, and care for and love people, you know, it, it, to, to have in mind, you know, specifically, who has God put nearest to me? That, that's exactly who he's given me to love and to care for. I mean, the, the, we can talk a lot about vocation in a lot of those ways, but you know, I, I think that is a really good starting place. Who's who's close by? I mean, who, who can I reach out and touch that does not know our Lord? You know, they, they may have heard about Jesus, but they really don't have the, the, the full understanding of God as revealed in, in his word. Yeah, and I, I like the way you said, who are you by? Who could you reach out and touch? I've, I've heard... People give the illustration, who is your neighbor? And so often when we answer that question based off of what Jesus teaches us with the parable of the Good Samaritan, we say everyone is our neighbor. Well, oftentimes if we talk about everyone being our neighbor, then we lose sight of the fact that the people who are closest to us are are literally our neighbor. I, I've heard a lot of people uh, say that one of the things we really should emphasize more is when we ask people, who are your neighbors, that we ask people to answer that question specifically. No, I mean who are the people who live by you, who live on your street, who you interact with maybe in limited ways and and how can you interact with them more? Or can you tell me their names? If not, Mm -hmm. what can we do to learn their names so that we can begin to talk to them about not necessarily God's mission because what we want to convey to people is the love of Christ, Mm -hmm. right? And so how can we talk to them about what Jesus has done for them by his life, death, and resurrection? Michael, what about you? What would you say if somebody asked you, what is God's mission? Yeah, you know, I I was really playing off of this word that you used, Tiffany, there at the end, vocation, the calling that we have to particular individuals that God has placed in our lives. In my work in disaster response, I, you know, we do all kinds of training for volunteers after disaster. And this is something that engages people to care for others in body, but also to care for them in their souls. And the example I always give when I'm talking about vocation, who's close to us, mission, the work that we have to do is the relationship that I have with my wife compared to the relationship that I have with somebody else. They're different. I have a different vocation, a different calling. My service to my wife looks different than my service to my other neighbors. And my first calling between those two is to my wife because she's closest. And so we think about all those different kinds of relationships, those vocations, those callings. Of course, our relationship with God is first. Uh, then we have our relationship with our with our spouses, our families, our relationships then with church, and then our relationship with the neighbors who are outside of the church who might be geographically close to us. So if my wife is hurting, for example, and I see somebody else hurting at the same time, my vocation is different. I'm not going to pass up my wife to go and then serve somebody else who's further away. I'm going to serve my wife first, and then together we would turn around and, and, and do that. So when I think of mission and God's mission being here, of course, it's those who are. It's directed to those who are closest to us, so that 
then we can together serve in God's mission to that next person, that's that next neighbor that's right out there. So when I'm, all of these pieces are kind of bouncing around in my head at the same time as we start talking about God's mission. But I want to be clear that it's not just, you know, we mentioned the full counsel of God, right? That they might not know the full depths and the riches and have the, the full knowledge of who God is and what they've done for them. When we're talking about mission and Mark, you you have this and everyone is witness as an evangelism program that it, it, we're not we're not called to explain the full counsel of God just because our neighbor is right there and, and we know that they're outside of the church, that there's the mission is going to look a little different based upon our relationship with them, what we know that they know or don't know, but it's not always going to be, here's the full counsel of God. Sometimes it's acts of service that allow us to build relationships with those who are closest to us, who then maybe then we have opportunity to, at some point, start answering and asking those questions. Hey, what where do you go to church? What do you think of Jesus? What does what does faith look like in your life and the life of your family members? And we start to have those kinds of conversations. But you can't you can't just do that cold turkey. And so when I think of God's mission, it's all it's always about relationships. But it's not just about relationships. But it's that's certainly a key part of it. What I'm hearing you saying, Michael, is God's mission is contextual. You know, what does God's mission look like here? Well. This is how it looks here. What does it look like over here? Well, it looks a little different. So, you know, where I live in Arizona, you know, where we're very unchurched in our community, God's mission has a different look to it than it does, say, in, in the Midwest, where you have five Lutheran churches within 10 miles of each other. So I always encourage people, think about what does God's mission look like in your context? And an excellent point, it, it starts with those closest to you. It starts with your family. And, and I'm a, it's sad, and, and I know this quite personally, you don't have to go any further than your family to find lost people, sadly. Mm-hmm. And that's part of God's mission, is he's given you this family. I often say, you know, you, you didn't get to pick your family. God picked it for you. You know, this, this may not be the family you would have picked. <laughs> you might have picked a different <laughs> family. But this is the family God gave you, and part of that is so that you can share the love and joy and peace of Jesus with your family as part of God's mission. The same with where you live, right? God's mission is in the Midwest. It's different. It is in Arizona. It is in St. Louis. It's in Florida. It's in Texas. It's in all of these communities that we find ourselves living in. You know, for me, one of the, the great treasures and gifts of Lutheranism as I, I came to the Lutheran Church as an adult is God's given us these gifts. You know, we, we have a really clear understanding of vocation, but we also have the, the comfort and knowledge that it's not left up to solely us. This is not rest on my shoulders to convert every single one in my family. We've, uh, you know, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, as Mark, as you were reflecting on the passage about God giving the growth. And, and I think that is a, a comfort to us as we consider who God has placed in our lives. He's given us these people for a reason, but he's not left us alone to share God's love. Yeah, and I think when we talk about God's mission, the, the topic, quite honestly, is so big when we talk about, you know, this part of it or that part of it, or, you know, Tiffany, you talk about converting people, and that's oftentimes what we think about in, in God's mission. But 
you know, the Holy Spirit takes care of that. We could talk about God's mission also just in terms of sharing the word, right? And, you know, I'm called to share and, and proclaim the word to my neighbors who don't know Jesus, but I'm also called to share and proclaim the word to my family, to my wife and to my five kids who are with me in church every Sunday, right? It's both part, that both are parts of God's mission. It's, it's such a big topic and there's going to be so much for us to discuss as we get into this podcast, God's Mission here. Uh, in addition to talking about God's mission here, we should probably talk a little bit about the Office of National Mission because there's a lot to that as well. And, and I think maybe some of our listeners, honestly, quite a few of our listeners might not know that much about the Office of National Mission. So uh, I'll turn to you, Mark, and I'll ask, uh, why is there an Office of National Mission? Because the Synod bylaws demand it. <laughs> so people should know about this because they should be well-versed in Synod bylaws. It, it, in fact, we, we are one of two mission offices that are called out by the, the Synod bylaws. And the Office of International Mission, which is you know, pretty well-known and self-descriptive. And then the Office of National Mission, which is not quite as well-known and needs a little bit of definition. So national is the key. We, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, we, we cover all of North America. So we're all the domestic mission. In fact, in, in the old structures of the Missouri Synod, we were called home missions. And I, I love that term mm. because it helps us understand this is the context we're talking about. We're talking about our home. Um, and so the role of home missions, or now called national mission, is to support our congregations and schools through our districts. So the Office of National Mission exists to resource our districts and through our districts, congregations and schools so that we, we can leverage the, the wonderful strengths that we have as a synod. So every congregation is not left to its own devices and trying to create its own resources and spending a lot of energy doing what we can do better together as a national church body. And so national mission is that focal point of that national effort. You know, one thing that I was taught a couple of years ago was that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod you know, makes decisions through conventions. And, and that's really the opportunity for the Synod to speak as one voice. Well, the, you know, it, with the, you mentioned the bylaws, the, the convention provides the bylaws. So the, the Office of National Mission was essentially formed by the church to serve the church. So it, it wasn't like a, you know, a, a think tank of some people in St. Louis sitting around a table in a conference room thinking like, oh, it would be a good idea to create an office of national mission. The, the synod created the office. And, and so it was a synod speaking with, with one voice that this that would be good for, for all of our districts and congregations to have this support. And, you know, we've referenced the bylaws a few times, and I think sometimes when people hear that phrase, they, they maybe have a certain image in their, their mind, but maybe a way for us to talk about the bylaws would be go back to go back to that word vocation mm. and, and think about it in that way, at least as, as far as we're all concerned. When, when we talk about bylaws, I think what we're thinking about is what are our responsibilities? What has God called us to do? What, what are we supposed to be working on? And I, I think, you know, that... That maybe gives it a little bit of, of a different image for people to think about in terms of why the Office of National Mission exists. Well, Mark, you mentioned the old structure, and since Michael's been here the longest, maybe <laughs> maybe he can share a little bit of, of the history of the transition or, or tell us a little bit about uh, the makeup of the Office of National Mission. Yeah, that's a, re that's a really good question when you think about uh, our makeup. 
so we're we're made up of a number of almost two dozen different ministry departments so that we have each ministry department has an area of focus. So this all came about, you mentioned the bylaws. I mean, that change took place in 2010. I was born in 2010, (laughs) but I wasn't working here yet. But at that point, that's when they established it. And out of that grew the Office of National Mission as we know it today with an executive director and then directors for each one of these ministry departments as ministry kind of subject matter experts whether it's schools or life ministry or church planting or family or youth disaster response each each one of these departments has a subject matter expert that is responsive to the needs and requests of congregations and districts and what i mean by responsive to the needs is that in a conversation with with people that we interact with in our work whether they're at the congregational level or at the district we identify gaps and needs of what what is it that the the church needs at this time in this place that we don't currently have and how can we work together to provide that in this in kind of a, a, a singular all-encompassing way right so that we're not duplicating across the 35 districts 35 different programs of disaster response for example but we have one area that we can go to and work together and walk together in our life as synod serving in that particular context right and same thing with life and health and all those other departments that we have steward and the like Well, I was going to say, Michael, you uh, referenced the 35 districts and you talk about working together. I think it might be helpful to talk about who we work with. Tiffany, could you could you tell people who are the the people we work with? Yeah, well, we're supposed to be working um, with congregations through the districts and um, districts. You know, that word very often for people uh, brings up connotations of, of certain regions, geographic regions, and and that's exactly what they are. Obviously, in the United States, there's 50 states, so we have fewer districts, we count them as 35, than states. So some of them are made up of multi-state areas. There's even a few states where there's multiple districts in in one state, but these have been established, you know, these these 35 districts in five regions, you know, so there's there's groupings even within the districts of, of five regions throughout the U.S., and so we work with, with those districts to provide support and services for the congregations. Now, I, I think it's pretty important that, you know, the congregations are where, you know, this, this God's mission occurs locally in our communities. I mean, that's the most important work of the synod is happening at the local level with the congregations. So, and the schools. And, and the schools. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our schools are tremendous mission outposts in, in communities reaching a lot of families um, and a lot of students. And so, you know, ultimately the goal is to support the work of the congregations because that's the important work. But the districts uh, were created by the Lutheran Church Missionary Synod to, to manage the, the growth throughout the, the Synod and, and throughout the U.S. So they've been in existence for a long time. And, you know, well, there have been changes over the years to the various districts. You know, they're, they're really tremendous blessings to the congregations that are choosing to walk together. I mean, that's what the word synod means. We're, we're walking together. Districts, we're walking with congregations, the Office of National Mission, walking with the districts. Yeah, I really like what you said about the work happening where our congregations and schools are at, where, where our people live all across North America, right? When we talk about God's mission here, we're not talking about the mission that happens at 1333 South Kirkwood Road, right? That's, you know, synod address. But we're talking about 
where God's mission is happening, where you all live and in the work that you're doing at your church, at your school, in your daily life. And so when we think about it that way, there's a whole lot going on. And so the idea is that as we do that work, there are things that we can do together, things that we can collaborate on in order to be more effective in our work in God's mission field here in North America. I should also point out that the strength of congregations carrying out God's mission extends beyond the local community. As congregations carry out God's mission, that spills over into neighboring communities and larger regions, and is actually the basis support for our international mission. So as Jesus talked about carrying out his mission to his disciples, he said, beginning in <laughs> Jerusalem, right where you are in your town, you know, and then to Judea, to the surrounding community, and then to Samaria, you know, the, the broader region, and then to the ends of the earth, the internet, what we would call international mission. So, uh, but it all begins with the congregation and the strength of that congregation in carrying out God's mission. Yeah, that, that's so helpful. And you know, when you talk about uh, the the mission work going to the ends of the earth, I, I think that's uh, you know a wonderful thing to think about. I actually used to put a little bit of a different spin on that when I was in the Kansas district, uh, because I, I'd quote Luke 24, and there Jesus says, repentance and forgiveness of sins shall be preached in my name to all nations. And then he says, beginning from Jerusalem. And so when I was talking about that in the Kansas district, I, w I would encourage people, if I had a globe, I'd use it, but I'd encourage people to think about a globe and, and find where Jerusalem is, you know, northeast of Africa, east of the Mediterranean Sea. And then I would ask them, okay, so if the beginning point is Jerusalem, where's the end of the world? And this was just my way of illustrating for them that, you know, God's mission field is going out all over the world. And as we think about that and what we're trying to do, we don't want to forget as we're trying to serve all over the world that here we are in North America, really the end of the world from Jerusalem as, a, as an opportunity or as a mission field that we can be working in right here. One of the other things that we talk about here in, in at the Synod is making disciples for life. Tiffany, could you just say a few words about making disciples for life? That's the emphasis that the convention, the Synod, speaking together on voice, has decided that we will have at least for the next few years. And, and so uh, it's the Office of National Mission, it's the district's congregations too, that we can all um, be focused on how um, uh, we, we live out our lives to, to make disciples, make disciples of Christ, you know, for for life, for um, the, their entire lifespan. We don't just stop in our our growth in the faith. You know, that, that's sometimes the, the joke about confirmation, right? Like you've graduated from church. No, not not at all. We continue in a, in a life of discipleship. And, and so that's, you know, the, the work that we're all engaged in together. And so that's our, our emphasis right now for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the Office of National Mission, you know, districts, congregations as well. Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot more about that in the episodes to come, about making disciples for life. The way that the Office of National Mission partners with you as you serve in your congregations, schools, and neighborhoods, uh, working through districts uh, to work in God's mission here. Mark and Michael and Tiffany, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been uh, great to talk to you about this new podcast and all the opportunities we have to serve in God's mission here. 
Thanks for joining us. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. God's Mission Here is a podcast that discusses Christ's gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation, and how he delivers those gifts where you live and serve.